0: monarchy as the dominant power in Hellas and his later years the campaigns in which his pupil Alexander the Great overthrew the Persian Empire and carried Greek civilization to the banks of the Jumna In studying the constitutional theories of Aristotle it is necessary to bear these facts in mind they help to explain certain limitations of outlook which might otherwise appear strange in so great a man It throws a great deal of light on the philosopher's intense conviction of the natural inferiority of the barbarian intellect and character to remember that he grew up in an outlying region where the barbarian was seen to disadvantage in the ordinary course of life. Hence the distinction between Greek and barbarian came to mean for him much what the colour line does to an American brought up in a southern state. So, again when we are struck by his provincialism, his apparent satisfaction with the ideal of a small, self-contained city-state, with a decently oligarchical government, a good system of public education, and no social problems, but devoid alike of great traditions and far-reaching ambitions, we must remember that the philosophy himself belonged to just such a tiny community without a past and without a future. The Chalcidic cities had been first founded, as the name of the peninsula implies, as colonies from the town of chalcis in Euboea. Corinth had also been prominent in establishing settlements in the same region. At the height of Athenian imperial prosperity in the age of Pericles, the district had fallen politically under Athenian control but had been detached again from Athens in the last years of the Achidamian War by the genius of the great Spartan soldier and diplomat, Brasidas. Early in the 4th century, the Chalcidic cities had attempted to form themselves into an independent federation, but the movement had been put down by Sparta, and the cities had fallen under the control of the rising Macedonian monarchy when Aristotle was a baby. A generation later, a double intrigue of the cities with Philip of Macedon and Athens failed of its effect and the peninsula was finally incorporated with the Macedonian kingdom. It is also important to note that the philosopher belonged by birth to a guild, the Asclepiadae, in which the medical profession was hereditary. His father, Nicomachus, was a court physician to Amyntas III and, the king for whose benefit the Spartans had put down the Chalcidic League. This early connection with medicine and with the rough-living Macedonian court largely explains both the predominantly biological cast of Aristotle's philosophical thought and the intense dislike of princes and courts to which he more than once gives expression. At the age of 18, in 367-6, Aristotle was sent to Athens for higher education in philosophy and science and entered the famous Platonic Academy where he remained as a member of the scientific group gathered round the master for twenty years until Plato's death in 347 to 6. It is perhaps significant that Aristotle's entry into the school fell in the year when Plato was absent on his political mission in Syracuse thus he probably did not get his first introduction to Platonism from the lips of Plato. For the three years immediately following, Aristotle was in Asia Minor with his friend and fellow student, Hermias, who had become, by force of sheer capacity, monarch of the city of Aternaeus in Iolis, and was maintaining himself with much energy against the Persian king. Pythias, the niece of Helmias became the philosopher's wife and it seems that the marriage was happy. Examination of Aristotle's contributions to marine biology has shown that his knowledge of the subject is specially good for the aeolic coast and the shores of the adjacent islands. This throws light on his occupations during his residence with Helmias and suggests that Plato had discerned the bent of his distinguished pupil's mind and that his special share in the researches of the academy had, like that of Speusippus, Plato's nephew and successor in the headship of the school, been largely of a biological kind. We also know that, presumably shortly after Plato's death, Aristotle had been one of the group of disciples who published their notes of their teacher's famous unpublished lecture on the good. In 343, Hermias was assassinated at the instigation of Persia. Aristotle honoured his memory by a hymn setting forth the godlikeness of virtue as illustrated by the life of his friend. Aristotle now removed to the Macedonian court where he received the position of tutor to the crown prince. Afterwards, Alexander the Great. At this time, 343 BC, a boy of 13. The association of the great philosopher and the great king, as tutor and pupil, has naturally struck the imagination of later ages. Even in Plutarch's life of Alexander, we meet already with a full-blown legend of the influence of Aristotle's philosophical speculations on Alexander. It is, however, improbable that Aristotle's influence counted for much in forming the character of Alexander, Aristotle's dislike of monarchies and their accessories is written large on many a page of his Ethics and Politics. The small, self-contained city-state with no political ambitions, for which he reserves his admiration, would have seemed a mere relic of antiquity to Philip and Alexander. The only piece of contemporary evidence as to the relations between the master and the pupil is a sentence in a letter to the young Alexander from the Athenian publicist Isocrates, who maliciously congratulates the prince on his preference for rhetoric, the art of efficient public speech, and his indifference to logic choppers. How little sympathy Aristotle can have had with his pupil's ambitions is shown by the fact that though his political theories must have been worked out during the very years in which Alexander was revolutionizing Hellenism by the foundation of his world empire, they contain no allusion to so momentous a change in the social order. For all that Aristotle tells us, Alexander might never have existed, and the small city-state might have been the last word of Hellenic political development. Hence, it is probable that the selection of Aristotle, who had not yet appeared before the world as an independent thinker, to take part in the education of the crown prince, was due less to personal reputation than to the connection of his family with the court, taken together with his own position as a pupil of Plato, whose intervention in the public affairs of Sicily had caused the academy to be regarded as the special home of scientific interests in politics and jurisprudence. It may be true that Alexander found time, in the midst of his conquests, to supply his old tutor with zoological specimens. It is as certain as such a thing can be that the ideals and characters of the two men were too different to allow of any intimate influence of either on the other. When Alexander was suddenly called to the Macedonian throne, by the murder of his father in 336 B.C., Aristotle's services were no longer needed. He returned to Athens and gave himself to purely scientific work. Just at this juncture, the presidency of the academy was vacant by the death of Spusippus, Aristotle's old associate in biological research. Possibly, Aristotle thought himself injured when the school passed over him and elected Xenocrates of Chalcedon as its new president. At any rate, though he appears never to have wholly severed his connection with the academy, in 335 he opened a rival institution in the Lyceum, or Gymnasium, attached to the temple of Apollo Lyceus, to which he was followed by some of the most distinguished members of the academy. From the fact that his instruction was given in the Peripatos or covered portico of the gymnasium, the school has derived its name of peripatetic. For the next twelve years he was occupied in the organization of the school as an abode for the prosecution of speculation and research in every department of inquiry and in the composition of numerous courses of lectures on scientific and philosophical questions. The chief difference in general character between the new school and the academy is that while the scientific interests of the Platonists centred in mathematics, the main contributions of the Lyceum to science lay in the Department of Biology and History. Towards the end of Alexander's life, his attention was unfavourably directed on his old teacher. A relative of Aristotle named Callisthenes had attended Alexander in his campaigns, as historiographer and had provoked disfavor by his censure of the king's attempts to invest his semi-constitutional position towards his Hellenic subjects with the pomp of an Oriental despotism. The historian's independence proved fatal. He was accused of instigating an assassination plot among Alexander's pages and hanged or, as some said, thrown into a prison where he died before trial. Alexander is reported to have held Aristotle responsible for his relative's treason and to have meditated revenge. If this is so, he was fortunately diverted from the commission of a crime by preoccupation with the invasion of India. On the death of Alexander in 323, a brief but vigorous anti-Macedonian agitation broke out at Athens. Aristotle from his Macedonian connections, naturally fell a victim, in spite of his want of sympathy with the ideals of Philip and Alexander. Like Socrates, he was indicted on the capital charge of the impiety, the pretext being that his poem on the death of Hermias, written twenty years before, was a virtual deification of his friend. This was, however, only a pretext. The real offense was political and lay in his connection with the Macedonian leader, Antipater. As condemnation was certain, the philosopher anticipated it by withdrawing with his disciples to Chalkis, the mother city of his native Stagirus. Here he died in the following year, at the age of sixty-two or sixty-three. The features of Aristotle, familiar to us from busts and intaglios, are handsome, but indicates refinement and acuteness rather than originality, an impression in keeping with what we should expect from a study of his writings. The anecdotes related of him reveal a kindly, affectionate character and show little trace of the self-importance which appears in his works. His will, which has been preserved, exhibits the same traits in its references to his happy family life and its solicitous care for the future of his children and servants. He was twice married, first to Pythias, and secondly to a certain Herpilis, by whom he left a son, Nicomachus, and a daughter. The goodness of Herpilus to her husband is specially mentioned in the clauses of the will, which make provision for her, while the warmth of the writer's feelings for Pythias is shown by the direction that her remains are to be placed in the same tomb with his own. The list of servants remembered and the bequests enumerated show the philosopher to have been in easier circumstances than Plato. The works of Aristotle The so-called works of Aristotle present us with a curious problem. When we turn from Plato to his pupil, we seem to have passed into a different atmosphere. The discourses of Socrates exhibit a prose style which is perhaps the most marvellous of all literary achievements. Nowhere else do we meet with quite the same combination of eloquence, imaginative splendour, incisive logic, and irresistible wit and humour. The manner of Aristotle is dry and formal, his language bristles with technicalities makes little appeal to the emotions, disdains graces of style, and frequently defies the simplest rules of compositions. Our surprise is all the greater that we find later writers of antiquity, such as Cicero, commending Aristotle for his copious and golden eloquence, a characteristic which is conspicuously wanting in the Aristotelian writings we possess. The explanation of the puzzle is, however simple, Plato and Aristotle were at once what we should call professors and men of letters. Both wrote works for general circulation, and both delivered courses of lectures to special students. But while Plato's lectures have perished, his books have come down to us. Aristotle's books have almost wholly been lost.